You're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. This podcast is sponsored by Gong. Gong empowers your entire go-to-market organization by operationalizing your most valuable asset, your customer interactions. Transform your organization into a revenue machine by unlocking reality and helping your people reach their full potential. Get started now at gong.io. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurélien Motier, and I'm here today with Simon Severino, Business Strategy Advisor at Strategy Sprint. How are you today, Simon? I'm happy to be here. Hello, everybody. <laughs> thanks, thanks for being with us. So today we will be talking about increasing both revenue and growth using your strategy sprints method. But before we get going, would you mind just giving us a little bit more information as to yourself, your background, but also the company you represent, strategy sprints? Sure. So I'm Simon Severino. It's 21 years that I do only one thing, serving entrepreneurs to have better go-to-market, better sales, better marketing, better operations, so that they can scale their business faster and enjoy running a business because it's not that easy to enjoy it and to scale it. So that's my passion and that's the only thing that I do. And it grows. So I became the bottleneck of, of the business. I had to fire myself from operations. So I don't coach anymore. And I am now the CEO of this global team of certified strategy sprints coaches that help entrepreneurs regain 10 to 14 hours per week of their time and improve sales and marketing. And I do this um, with a global remote team. They are in Los Angeles, in Miami, in Singapore, in Shanghai, and everywhere in between. And um, I'm here in Vienna and uh, I serve them and I support them and I help uh, us grow and um, enter even new parts of the world and new time zones so that we can help light up even more entrepreneurs where they are and in their time zone. Okay. Do you focus on a specific vertical or your clients are across the board? We work only with B2B businesses mm -hmm. that have at least four people on their team. They're doing at least 35K per month yeah. and we double their revenue in 90 days. That's a good that's a good value proposition. So Simon, could you please start by explaining us the, the fundamentals behind the strategy sprints and how you came up with the method? Sure. Let me give you the, the short version. If people want the long version, they can go to Amazon and grab the book Strategy Sprints, where we wrote a ton of cases. Our clients report about their sprint. And especially what was the sales problem? How did they solve it? What was the marketing problem? How did they solve it? What was the hiring problem? How did they solve it? But in a nutshell, it's 90 days. And the first thing that we need to do is we need to free up 10 to 14 hours per week of their time because they are otherwise too busy in the business and don't have time to work on the business. So in the business is they are doing the client work. On the business means they have time to improve form, fit, and function of the sales systems, form, fit, and functions of the joint venture systems, form, fit, and function of the referral systems. And now many people go, what, what's a referral system? I don't have a referral system. And that's why um, we need to free them up. And then with them, 
co-create and implement those systems. The, the good thing is we have those systems ready. We have 274 of those systems, blueprints, checklists already in the Sprint University. And that's why they can get done faster. So month one, freeing them up. And then in month two, now we have 10 hours, 10 to 14 hours per person to work on improving the sales systems. First thing that we do, finding the direct path. Most people do too much. And mainly they do too much marketing, too much social media. And they think this, this has an impact whatsoever. It, it doesn't. There is a specific order when you grow and scale a business. First, you have to, to have really good operations. So an impeccable delivery, a delivery that is really working, is delightful, and they, they refer to you. Then the second, so your clients go out there and say, this was so amazing, you have to do that. The second thing that you need is a sales system and meaning closing at least 35K per month independently from you. That's a sales system. So you have multiple revenue systems that work reliably and repeatably. When you have those two pieces, and this is what most people get wrong. When you have those two pieces, this is the first time ever you put one hour or $1 or one pound into marketing. And that's why marketing for us, it's the third month. But when we talk sales acceleration, first operation and sales, and the sales to be real revenue systems, repeatable and independently of one founder. So when I go on holidays, the sales system still needs to work. At that point, you have repeatable revenue systems and you are getting traction, traction measured in 35K per month, every month in sales. Now it's time to start telling the world, hey, I have something that works. It helps full for you. And this is how you can get it. That's marketing. Good. So when you say free them up, it's really the founder that you are, you're speaking about. So you, you would see the founder as the, the best person to start selling. I mean, at what point would you include the concept of recruitment? Because if you really want to free yourself up forever, you probably will need someone that comes in and can do the sales. So do you have that sort of, do you have that element in the 90 days? I mean, 90 days sounds, is obviously very quick. I'm very impressed by the, by the 90 days. But how do you make sure that after the sprint, people keep on sprinting, basically, and don't go back to bad habits? <laughs> okay, let's tackle the multiple questions. So the first one, is hiring a component? Yes. And many people start as a solopreneur when they, when they sprint with us, like Anthony Yanarino. He, he had just two freelancers. And himself, that's it. That was the team. But after 90 days, he had his first COO. That's how uh, he calls her. Basically somebody running the whole thing. And he could just focus on his zone of genius. Yeah. So yes, there is delegation involved in every scaling of every business. Do you need to hire full-time? I don't think so. There are many ways. Uh, of organizing. You can have it outsourced. You can have freelancers who work closely with you with weekly meetings. You can have virtual people all over the globe. And, and you can go traditional full-time hiring if you want that. But I wouldn't do that right now in a recession. And especially we recommend always having variable costs instead of fixed costs. So when you have more work, you want to pay more for, 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 for the work. And when you have less work, you want to have less costs. It's more resilient. Yeah. And um, that's why uh, the costs always 
variable instead of fixed. And um, hiring, yes, it's indispensable. And we start thinking about hiring, creating the first job scorecard and helping them post um, uh, from, from week two on because hiring is vital for everybody. So yes, delegation is something we work continually on. There are three things that we do daily, weekly, and monthly. There are the three CEO habits. So the daily habit is everybody writes down how they are spending their time and what will they delegate or automate tomorrow. So you can also delegate to software, of course. So what will I delegate tomorrow is an exercise that everybody does 90 days long, everybody in the team, because everybody needs to delegate. For example, my VA four years ago, she became then a marketing, uh, full-time marketing person. And now she is the head of marketing and she hires the marketeer. I don't even know all the people in my marketing department anymore. She does. She supervises them. She hires them. She manages the results. She gets the reports. And so that's how you grow over four years from a VA and, and you can take on more and more responsibility. And I think it's a good way, an organic way of growing because you have multiple checks if it's really working and then you can intensify work. Yeah. So hiring is super important. And in the book, chapter 12 and chapter 13 are literally my hiring blueprints. It took me 10 years to get hiring right. It's still painful because it takes me a lot of time to do these interviews. But I share here the, the most efficient and effective way that I have found to conduct those interviews. It's, it's still time consuming, but it's important. And if you skip the time there, you will pay the price later. Because the good people leave you two months later, and then you have to start all over again, or you onboard the wrong people, which is also not not optimal. Yeah, not not a good use of time. So Simon, I mean, I think you, you you're completely right. The sourcing is probably one of the most important thing. You know, getting the right people in. So I, I know it's chapter. I think you mentioned twelve, thirteen in the book. Could you just give us like a very, if, if you had a few advice to give to someone who is probably relatively new at recruiting, maybe five years in, still sometimes making mistakes, because I agree with you, it probably took me also 10 years to get a little bit better at it. I think I was a, a terrible judge of character, but what would be the, the key advice you would give to someone who is, who is trying to recruit? And, and I appreciate it's quite a broad question because the advice may be specific to a specific position, but what, what would you be looking at in a new candidate from a, from a very high-level perspective? There is the, the long version and there is the short version. The long version, I will be doing a full workshop on hiring okay. um, powered by Google. They run a program called Grow with Google and they have built a stage and they have asked me to do the hiring workshop there. Good. But the short version is the hiring starts before the hiring. It starts when you break down your, your company into three parts, marketing, sales, and operations. And then you, you put one head, one responsibility onto them. And below that, the three KPIs, how will they see that it's working? The three things that you measure every week and the three goals that they have next for the next 90 days. When you have that, now you can start creating the job scorecard. Now describing how this role, if they leave this role 100% best, how does it look like? And with that, now you back engineer which skills do you need, you write them down and you post that. We have three, four places where we post it, then we get around 400 applications. 
And now we interview them in, in an efficient way. If you talk to 400 people, you, you, it's a lot of time. So there are some screening ways. One is to get a video up front before you even talk to them. Then is to group them and to do a mini sprint of the real role and solving one problem that they really would have to solve. For example, if it's a salesperson, I will do with 10 people a sales role play. The top 10, I will have them interview as a group and I will give them a sales challenge. I am the client there. They sell me something and I come with five concerns the time concern, the money concern, et cetera. And I see how they react and we play it. So we demonstrate, we simulate the real task together in a friendly environment to see um, who's the best fitted and how they, you know, how they solve the problem. If it's developing something, they have to code, then I would ask them, please share screen. Everybody has 10 minutes. Uh, share screen and um, show me how you code this. And it would be something that is near. It's not a theoretical task. It's near to the real task that they will have to do. And that's the demo part. And then in the end, you decide, you onboard. And the onboarding part is also super important. The onboarding, there are two things that you have to have ready before you hire. One is the process itself. And second is the onboarding process. The process itself means if you don't know how to do it, you cannot expect that somebody can do it. Don't do that. That's a rookie mistake. I see it happening all the time. So I hate sales. Let me hire somebody who does the sales. Has never worked. You have to create a system that works. You do it 10 times. 11th time, you write it down, you hand it over. But a good salesperson will come in and say, okay, show me the sales script. Oh, um, show me the sales conversion. Oh, per week. Oh, we don't measure per week. A good salesperson, you lost them. They go. And if they stay, they are a very rookie salesperson. So that's why you need to create the script, to create the offer, to sell it 10 times. And then the 11th time with those 10 recordings in hand, then you hand it over. And, and this is the same for operations and the same for marketing. First, build something that works, then hand it over. Do not expect somebody to come from the outside to do all your work. <laughs> And to be brilliant at it quickly never works. No, I agree with you. I think it's um, it, we, we've got exactly the same process. We believe that uh, doing the role play, so we call it role play. So we, we get people to actually do something in real life, which is close enough to what they would do in their job is, is quite important because something is not about how well they do at it. It's more about how do they react, how they interact, how they behave in the exercise. You know, you've got some people that don't want to do the role play, for example. So you're like, okay, well, are they coachable? Are they really the type of people we want to want, we want to have? And then when they do the role play, you provide them feedback and potentially you ask them to go again to see if they incorporated the feedback and, and things like that. So because coachability is a big one for us, but also accountability. So, you know, people knowing that, it's difficult to get it the first time and you need to have a gross mindset, which means that you may make those marginal gain or those marginal changes every day to get a little bit better. So we've got a similar process. Having said that, you made me realize that when we recruit slightly outside of our usual suspects, so let's say we want to recruit a new position. So right now we're recruiting for business process managers, okay? A new role, technically. We have some, but they are promotion from within and now we're going out to recruit someone who's really been doing that for like 10 years, like a, a proper uh, a proper 
you know, qualified someone with lots of experience. And what we ask them to do, we ask them to do like a 30, 60, 90 day plan. And, and I think you've got a good point here. It's like, do they have enough information? Are we actually asking them to do something that we don't know what it is ourselves? And um, yeah, you made me think, Simon. So we probably will have to rethink that strategy of uh, of how we go about this, uh, those roles that are not like the, the core business. Now, going back to business, I'm thinking about, you know, we, we, we just came out of COVID, we are hearing about recession. We're hearing about the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. We're talking about petrol price, electricity price, gas price, um, inflation, interest rate going up. So I, I guess my question to you is, with all those elements, you know, it may be difficult for people to actually see a lot of sales and marketing growth in their business. And you may have to expect a period of stagnation in a way. Uh, for some organization and for some industries, particularly the one that would not be a nice to uh, a must have in the recession. So how can the strategy sprint method improve or help them to improve their operation model and, and still support them in striving as a business? Yes. So in the, in the last two years, we had to build additional modules to help cope with these particular situations. So on the one side, there are some, some areas that are losing momentum and losing sales. Yeah. For them, we are helping them buy competitors. So explore inorganic growth, buying competitors and incorporate them yeah. and integrate them or buying adjacent things that help them deliver uh, things needed now uh, quicker. So unorganic growth is one option that we are helping our, our clients with, with mergers and acquisition and integration. And um on the other side, there are opportunities popping up. And because your competitors are having a liquidity crisis, so many players, whatever your industry is, many players will not be around in three months. So there is opportunity. And there we look at, all right, what is going on? Is this temporary? What's the length of the cycle? This is basic strategy work, like scenarios, length of the cycle. Do we hop on the next S-curve or not? We, we draw S-curves with them and say, okay, can we win this curve? Then we jump on that. Or we just leave that curve to our competitors and we focus on this one. So it's back to strategy work and positioning and then changing the offer accordingly to what's going on right now in their in their scenario. And an additional thing that we have started now, it's an own module in the Sprint University, it's the investing module. That means treasury, if you are investing your company's money, because you have to keep it around inflation, how we calculate it, it's 15% that you're losing money every year if you just have it on your bank account. So you have to do treasury and cash flow management in a different way, both as, as a firm, that's treasury, but also as a private person, as a CEO, if you have kids and if you want your wealth to be around in 15 years, then you have to create a completely different portfolio. And some parts of it must be inflation hedges, like commodities, like Bitcoin, like gold, etc. And we help them really create that investing system that they feel well with, that has that level of passivity or activity that is the right for them. And that still lets them sleep well, knowing that they have uncorrelated assets. So whatever happens, some, some parts will always be in the green. And long-term, of course, they have the growth that they want to have. So you do much more than the 90 days, basically. I mean, it's um, from my perspective, this is 
actually helping a business running their strategy in a much more longer term. So are the 90 days kind of a way for you to come in, inject some energy, show some quick results, and then you stay in maybe on a less intensive basis as an advisor to the business? Is that, is that the strategy really that you, you, you guys have with your clients? We are out, but the systems, they keep on giving. You know, when you, when you create an onboarding system, a hiring system, an investing system, those systems, they stay around. It's your Google Docs, your Google Sheets, the videos stay with them. So it's their systems. It's how they run their weekly meeting. It's how they decide their monthly priorities. It's how their goal setting system becomes 90 days, three goals. That stays with them. They continue doing it. That's the beauty of systems. People can get in and out. Systems still work. So And they have written it down in their SOP uh, playbook, as we call it. And that stays with them. So after 90 days, they don't really need us. Some do a second sprint just for fun because they say, we just like our coach. It's it's much more fun to have a weekly person who is our pacemaker. We feel like athletes. We have this pacemaker here. It's, it's cool. Let's do a second round. But in terms of needing, they don't need us actually in the second sprint. And some people stay around in our mastermind. We have 84, um, 48 people in our mastermind right now. So some people after the sprint say, I still want to hang out. I still want to discuss investment ideas, cash flow ideas, um, you know, retirement plans, etc. How do I enjoy yeah. life now that I have a, a business that runs itself, hang out with other cool entrepreneurs? So yes, they, they hang out still uh, with us, but the sprint itself, the 90 days, installs the key systems and they keep on working. I wanted to build something that is, you know, where you are independent. I don't want consultants to be around every week around my team. <laughs> Give me the tools, build something that works with me, and then I continue doing it. And if I want to book you again, I book you again. That makes sense. So you work with lots of entrepreneurs um, and, and, and founders and people who are probably, you know, doing a little bit of everything at the outset. What's the most common mistake that you see this individual making? Doing too much marketing and not doing enough sales. Because actually, if you just do a couple hours sales every day, you are much better off, and 90% of the people listening right now, you're much better off doing a few revenue systems properly and not having any social media presence and not caring about any social media for just not more than 10 minutes per week, you are probably better off. But most people, they're constantly in the social media world and they are not really prospecting and talking to the people um, who really need them. So that's the main problem that I see out there. Everybody thinks marketing is the thing and forget sales. Yeah, we, we did the polar opposite for nearly enough. So I'm smiling because we are... In fact, two years ago, so we've been we've been running the business for eight years, you know, self-funded business and everything. And two years ago, we brought some new board advisor and they told me, you've got to stop selling. You <laughs> have to stop. And I found it very difficult because for a period of time, I was the top sales guy, you know, and, and I love to bring business. I had some lovely clients, build up some great relationship. And, you know, it's difficult because I don't need to pick up the phone anymore. You know, we are, I have people that we have worked with in the past. Their company may have been acquired or they went through an APO, so we stopped working with them for any reason. And then they go to another company. And obviously they call us and say, hey, you know, the first call is not about can I use your services? The first call is like, look, this is a target I've got to reach. This is a team I've got. This is 
this is the context. This is what I think of doing. Do you think it's the right things? What would you do if you had my shoes, et cetera, et cetera? So the first school is relatively consultative. And then we, we, we kind of, because we generate pipeline for our clients, that our business is actually generating pipeline, we often end up working with them. So is that organic type of business coming in? And I also think I love the energy of selling. Uh, it gave me, it gave me a boost. It give me, it probably dropped some chemical in my body that I really enjoy the presence of. So, um, it was very difficult for me to stop selling. And, you know, up, up until now, you know, I think this quarter, next quarter, so starting on the 1st of July, is going to be the first quarter in 10 years, well, 10 and a half years that I actually don't have a sales quota. And I don't know if I feel good about it because, you know, I kind of, I like to be in the trenches and I like to see what's going on. And I think it's very important because when you're on social media, of course, everybody it, it's more like you pretend to be something versus being in the real conversation. I think for me, I'm learning much more from my market, from the real issues that people are facing, having conversation with individuals in the situations, having conversation with their VCs, having a conversation with peers, because they tell you stuff that they would not put on LinkedIn, that they would not put on Instagram, that they would not put on TikTok, you know? The real, nobody goes on social media and says, hey, these are my three problems. We are doing very bad at the moment and we need to fix them. But when you have that one-to-one with an individual and and you kind of create that safe zone where you're almost like the doctor and they can speak about where they have the pain. It's incredible how much people open up and it's incredible how much you learn. And then what you realize is everybody's got the same issues, right? So everything looks good from the outside, but when you look inside, nobody is really happy with the pain or we need to change something and there is that. So you've got the perfectionist. And, and I think that's, that's why I agree with you. I think selling is probably the most important. Marketing is something that we brought in. You know, you probably will think we are crazy, we brought marketing maybe three years after starting the business. Our first website was horrendous. We had a picture of someone taking a jump on the BMX for some reason. And nothing to do with what, you know, it's just, but but then those marketing folks just came in and just told us. And then we had people saying, well, you need to work on the brand. And we're like, what do you mean working on the brand? What's the, what's the return on investment of doing that? And, and then a year later, you start to see the return. So it's interesting how the things work, but I, I, I think, Simon, you've got a very good point. You need to start by selling. Never stop selling. And, you know, if you can't sell your product, you there's never no stop point marketing selling. it. There is no point having a product. There is no point having a business. So you, you may as well go and speak selling. to people. You yeah. start um, amplifying yourself instead of you are not the bottleneck of sales yeah. anymore. So you start bringing in people who sell with you first. Again, you write down how you sell, you hand it over. And then for, for a while, you sell together. And then when they are capable of selling alone, now you pull yourself out of selling and you do bigger things. You do the joint ventures with the Nikes and Googles and who and Salesforces or whoever is your dream list of the joint venture partner. You start writing, you know, the books that will reach more people and make your brand stronger. You will be either on many podcasts per day of other people or you yeah. start your own podcast if it's brand strengthening and if it opens doors for you to be more of service or to connect to the right people. And then these things you do while you have now a sales systems where other close in the quality and in the conversion rate that you had. So yes, pulling yourself out of sales, but that means creating a sales system that is more than you. Do you believe that there is different types of CEOs and or, or, or in general leaders that you would have the type that is more 
operational. You know, they love their, to put their sleeves up and deal with issues and not concerned to go on a call with the customers and get things resolved. And when there is a problem, you know, as you were saying earlier on, I'm going to lead you because I'm, I can deal with it myself, but we're going to do it together and I'm going to teach you so that the more operational leader versus leader that are more, not that they're not operational, but they are probably doing more the, the, the institutional CEO type of role, which is, okay, let's get the name out there. Let's work on personal branding. Let's work on, as you mentioned, a joint venture and spend a lot, not a lot of time, but spend enough time or the right amount of time, maybe 10, 20% of my time speaking about company valuation and where we are adding up and strategy and who could be our partners in two years, three years. Could we do a liquidity event, a merger, an acquisition ourselves, et cetera, et cetera. Do you see those two types? And do you, do you guys help maybe one type, which is, I think you've got to start with the operational type. I don't think you can really have a company just trying to do too much institutional stuff at the beginning, you probably need to get your hands dirty. So, so if there is two types, could you move the operational to the more institutional? Or do you have to say to the operational, okay, you know what, keep an operational role, but let's bring someone else that can help you with the more institutional role, the more you know, grown-up strategy stuff? I see a million types. So I, That's why I was struggling with my question in a way. But I see a million types and everybody of us is different and you have to go with your superpower. So, because that's unique. So... I simplify the business and say, okay, what does the business need? The business does need marketing, sales, operations, and CEO. And CEO means vision, hiring, scaling. That's it. Performance systems, improving the performance systems. That's it. It's four tasks. So you pick, right? Which one is your superpower? One of these four, that's what you are made for. Go with that. Don't touch the rest. And this question we do with everybody in the team, what's your superpower? What's your superpower? What's your superpower? And so they pick that area that they need and there they can unfold, they can blossom. And these are very different personalities and very different um, skills. And um, if you like the one, you usually don't like the other. And um, it's really important that everybody sticks just to their superpowers. I'm, I, I simplify to these four tasks of every company and help people pick their their right position. Yeah, no, I agree. I do believe this. Being in the position myself at the moment, it's um, it's interesting how you've got to grow through the journey. You know, the things that you were, I used to go and if there is no toilet roll in the toilet, I go to the shop and get some, you know, because it needs to be done. We've got no one to do it. You know, I'm not, not expecting my employee to do it. There is no milk in the fridge. We go and do that. That's not a problem. To the point where... Oh, no, maybe we need to go and speak to his investors. But there is a big, big gap. And uh, and I'm speaking, I've, I've been on a lot of uh, CEO group where we speak, and I think it's difficult for people to evolve. Uh, lots of people tend to think, okay, well, I have my superpower, but I can still do the other stuff very well. They might not do it properly. So, so, so I think you've got a good point with the superpower. And what I would just add to that is that you've got to, be able to realize what your shortcomings are and bring a team around you where people in that team are better at that superpower than yourself. I think sometimes you give the task and say, well, I've got to do, I've got to do the hiring. But I'm really struggling with it. I've never hired for that role before, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. Is that the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? Technically, it's your job. You should do it. You're the CEO. You, get, you are the guy that's, you know, the buck stop with you. You've got to do it, right? And it took There are stages. Time. There are stages. So before 35K per month, so before yeah. traction, you have to do everything. 
in the moment where you hit 35K, you will not touch any operation anymore. If, if you are coached by us, we will help you divide into marketing, sales, operations, and CEO. And then you just pick yours and we have to get you two levels above fulfillment. So you will never do the task that is just urgent and is popping up. You will not go to, super, to the supermarket and take anything from the supermarket because that's not the CEO's job. The CEO's has only four tasks and needs full concentrations on those. And every word needs to be the best possible manifestation of the brand. And every word needs careful calibration because it will make the difference yeah. in investing budget. It will make the difference if people want to work for your team or not, if you have 12 applications per month to your team or 400. And that's why full presence to these four tasks. And same thing with operations, full presence to operations, every detail will matter. How you write an email, how you write the title of a calendar entry, how you follow up asking if the room is prepared or if there is something missing, can I make sure that the checklist really arrived to you? That's the operational excellence. And then there is marketing excellence, playfulness, openness, triggering the right conversation. It's like a dance. And then there is the sales excellence. And sales is creating value in every relationship, lighting up every relationship, sometimes in a very disciplined and serious way by showing them what's, what's coming in their industry and what, how they can do it. And sometimes in a more curiosity enhancing way, hey, you ex let's explore this. And sometimes just very practical and say, these are the three blueprints that you have to implement next week. These are the different excellences in those four different areas. And we need 100% presence and precision there and, and really caring about that. Yeah, every uh, moment. I guess my point is that it, it doesn't stop. So 35K, appreciate that, it's probably around what? The, if, it's, if you're looking in dollars, you're looking at, uh, you're looking at uh, $3.7 million probably of revenue per year and you're recurring. So the annual revenue will change all the time. Hopefully every quarter we will double the revenue. Absolutely. But right now, this month, you're doing 35K. That's the moment when you have start getting yourself two levels above fulfillment. Now you get the marketing report, the sales report, the operations report, and you don't touch them. But, the but my, my, my point is that I think that's probably the first sprint. I think when you get to 5 million of revenue, you've got another barrier. When you get to seven and a half, you've got another barrier. When you get at 10, 12 and a half, and, and we're at 25 right now. And literally every six to nine months, we've got to think about the leadership structure. How do we, because it's, you've built the things, but you still have to manage those people and help them to build on down is them as well, okay? And that's what I was more going into is like the, and particularly if you grow quickly, you know, let's say you've got a 50% growth or 100% growth year on year, so you technically either add half what you are doing or double what you are doing year on year. And, and particularly if you are a people business, which we are, you know, we, we, we rely on people and humans to deliver the job. Uh, of course, we've got automation, but, you know, at the end of the day, we, we, we sell, we sell man, man hours and man days. It's a big metamorphosis from, you know, the 35K run rate to, you know, we're just getting to the UK at 1 million pounds. So 
1.2, million dollars in 600k. So it was like 1.8, 1.9 million dollars now amounts of recurring revenue. It's not a different structure. It's just the same thing on the next level, on the next level, on the next level. We still have to double from there. We still have to delegate, automate the next processes. So whenever you get to the next level, the first is 35, the second is 70. And then you go up in the same structure. At every level, your current systems will break and you have to reorganize for the next complexity. That's yeah. why sometimes when you grow too fast, we have seen this with Facebook, et cetera, with many companies in their first year, when, they're, when they were hyper growing, um, it was pretty hard for them not to fall apart. And um, it's like, you know, the, the Nautilus, yeah. this creature underwater, they, and they, he has these chambers, the chambered Nautilus is how the people call it. So he lives in that. And why he lives there, he creates the next chamber because he's growing. And, but he's still living in that. And then he creates the next chamber and the next chamber. And when you look at it after 10 chambers, so at 25 million, it's 10 chambers. And when you look at it, it's, an, it's beautiful because it has the Fibonacci sequence in there and, and the golden ratio. But it's the same structure. It's just getting a little bit bigger, but it's the same structure in terms of it's, it's the same Fibonacci series. So, and from 25, you have to do the same thing next and next and next and next. And then you will have one major rupture, which is when you decide if to go public or not. And then again, it everything will break. And then, so every level of complexity breaks the current systems and you have to again work on form fit and function of sales system work form fit and function of marketing form fit and function of operations the the process is always the same and for most people listening the most important one is from 35 to from 0 to 35 and from 35 to 70 yeah. that inflection point but you are right it will continue to break and you have to create your next chamber Absolutely. So in the book, and that's going to be my, my last question, you mentioned three habits that um, you, know, you, you would expect CEO or entrepreneur to, to have or to focus on. Could you just take our audience through what those habits are and, and why do you believe they're important? As a CEO, 95% is not in your control. So what is really in your control? Uh, the, the three habits, daily habit, weekly habit, monthly habit, daily habit, everybody writes down how are we allocating our time and what will I delegate tomorrow? Okay. Weekly habit is show me the marketing number, the sales number, and the operations number of this week. So a weekly dashboard with these three numbers. The whole team sees these three numbers every seven days, usually on a Friday. And then the monthly is a strategic analysis and competitive analysis. Which of our features are winning against our competitors, which are losing? How can we cut 15%, 20% from next month's budget from the ones where we are losing and reinvest them where we are winning? Because if this month we are winning and we put in 15%, 20% more resources, money and time and attention, then we are unbeatable. We are crushing it there. That's the monthly check. It's half an hour. Where are we winning? Where are we losing? How can we double down on what we're winning? Yeah. These three habits. These are the three things that are in your control. Everything else is not really in your control. And um, these are the three things 
that you can do under any circumstance, recession, bear market, bull market. These are the three habits. You stick to them. You have an operating system for whatever the world throws at you. Makes sense. The whole reporting. In, in fact, you know, for us, the, the, the big issue was getting the numbers in the first place. Um, <laughs> and then not just getting the number because you know th there is genius in simplicity. And it was getting a number is one thing. Getting a number explained is another. You know, getting 20,000 spreadsheets is great. Oh, lots of information. Someone worked out. But really, what you need is the analysis. So now I appreciate what you are saying. It's great, great advice. Now, Simon, if, if anyone wants to pursue the conversation with you uh, or, or even, you know, try to engage with your organization, what's the best way to get hold of you, Simon? Strategiesprints.com is where you find us and you can talk to us. If you want to get the book, it's on Amazon, Strategy Sprints. And if you do that, leave us an Amazon review. Amazon loves it. Yeah, well, I'm going to get the book myself. Do you have an audiobook version or just uh, it's just a paperback? Just paperback for now. Maybe next year an audio version also. Cool, cool. I tend to uh, I tend to listen to my audiobook in the car, but uh, it's it's of, soon is going to be holiday seasons. So I should pack your book in my bag and uh, and read that by the by the poolside. Uh, Simon, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much uh, for your energy and for for all the insight that you provided to us today. Very useful. Thank you, and keep rolling, everybody. You've been listening to B two B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. This podcast is sponsored by Gong. Gong empowers your entire go-to-market organization by operationalizing your most valuable asset, your customer interactions. Transform your organization into a revenue machine by unlocking reality and helping your people reach their full potential. Get started now at gong.io.